0: And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool.
2: Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, or, well, actually not. Greetings from the uh, suburbs of Washington, D.C. this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Uh, Flying solo this week, I am up in the D.C. area, came up for the Independent Women's Forum uh, women's league conference feel kind of horrible that I had to leave because Miss E is sick she's like really sick she's pneumonia sick uh, and I had to leave which is always tough and uh, sucky to do but uh, I'll be back home uh, very very soon so uh, keep Miss E in your thoughts and your prayers this week if you would please uh, last Friday as we uh, headed into the Memorial Day weekend she told me she was having some trouble breathing Met her at the uh, emergency room there in Farmville after the show was over, and uh, she was diagnosed with pneumonia. And that's, you know, that's a serious illness. That's not your uh, your summer cold. That's not even bronchitis. So um, a little concerned. She's a little concerned because, you know, if you listen to this program on a regular basis, you know that uh, Miss E is not a, uh, a natural rester right she doesn't necessarily uh uh prefer to sit around doing nothing and yet when you have pneumonia that's kind of what you need to be doing you need to be resting you need to have a lot of sleep you need to take care of yourself so i am a little concerned that uh, missy is going to push herself here and uh it's tough when you're away so i don't know about you but uh it's been kind of a crummy week honestly uh we have had that uh uh, a friend of mine, my uh, best friend down in the Farmville area, uh, found out had a, a heart attack Friday night. Thankfully, he is still alive, but uh, uh, this was a, a major uh, health scare and uh, still in the hospital. Uh, so I've got a lot of thoughts and prayer requests, actually, uh, this week. Uh, again, it's just been sort of a crummy kind of week with uh, people I know and uh, things going on in their life. Got family members dealing with floods down in uh, Texas and... I hope your week is going better. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, with Missy being more than under the weather uh, this weekend, uh, we got a little bit done. Got a little bit done around the uh, garden, a little bit done inside the the kitchen. Uh, Missy did not let pneumonia stop her from. Uh, curing a couple of hams and making more cheeses and uh, continuing to milk goats. So she's, again, that's why I said she's not a natural rester. You know, she's still doing an awful lot uh, when she doesn't need to be doing quite so much. But um, as far as uh, productivity around the farm goes, let's see. Uh, Beets are still doing all right. Carrots are coming in kind of sparsely. We uh, uh, did put some Uh, cucumber plants in the ground and those were transplants uh they're not doing real well a couple of them have died a couple of them seem to be in a sort of state of stasis uh none of them appear to be thriving the the beans that we have in the ground are doing great right now and the uh, tomatoes that we have in pots are doing okay the tomatoes that should be in the ground are still not in the ground and that is not okay but uh, that is my project this weekend uh, along with uh, taking care of missy e and doing whatever else needs to be done around the uh, 40 acres it is also summertime now officially the uh, kids are out of school so they are free to help as well and hopefully we'll be able to get uh, those tomatoes in the ground we're going to hear from uh you and get an update on uh, your garden we've heard from Trent, we've heard from brian this week so we'll uh, check in and find out how uh, you're doing in uh, your homesteading and your gardening this summer i kind of stumbled there but i'm not going to have a deceptive edit a la Katie Couric. We won't do that here on uh, 40 Acres and a Fool. That's been sort of a a big story this week uh, on NRA News Cam and Company, which you can hear weekdays, 2 to 5 Eastern. Katie Couric and her film Under the Gun. I don't want to call it a documentary because it's, it's not a documentary. You know, documentaries uh, portray things that actually happened as opposed to making stuff up. It's been interesting. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this on the show, so I don't want to... Uh, Double dip too much, but I I see that the latest excuse, and I knew we would come to this at some point, Uh, in fact, I think this might have been like my first tweet after the news broke about Katie Couric's deceptive editing, is that uh, we will hear that uh, it's okay because the lie was in pursuit of a greater truth. Now, Katie Couric hasn't actually come out and said that. She also hasn't come out and said she is sorry or that she apologizes, despite the headlines. Uh, I challenge you to go and read the statement that uh, Katie Couric wrote at the Under the Gun website and find the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize, because you won't uh, there in her statement. But I'm starting to see more uh, folks within uh, both the filmmaking industry uh, and the anti-gun community proclaim that, uh, and it's, it's the exact same argument, by the way. It's the exact same argument. At the exact same time. Could be just total coincidence. But I'm kind of thinking it's not. Anyway, the, uh, the new argument is, listen, this is just eight seconds of a movie. All right? And it's bad. Yeah, it didn't happen. And it, it, it probably shouldn't have been in the movie. But it's just eight seconds. Why let eight seconds uh, ruin the entire movie? That, that seems to be the argument. The, the, the movie itself is still fine, minor, uh, minus this minor eight-second segment that I probably shouldn't have been in. Uh, I can see why they're making that argument. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's uh, accurate. But I can see why they're making that argument, because they really don't have any arguments left. Right. I mean, Katie Couric has already said that she regrets the fact that it's in there and she should have spoken up, but she should have said more. Uh, Epics HD, which has the uh, the rights to under the gun, has said, well, stand by the uh, director uh, and they're not changing the film. So at this point, when you are confronted with such an egregious, inexcusable uh, bit of deception in a movie that purports to be nonfiction and factual, as a matter of fact, the tagline talks about how truth is the ultimate weapon and you're lying, yeah, I can see how you would revert to this argument of, well, it's just eight seconds in a larger movie. Don't let the uh, the eight-second problem uh, spoil the entire film. And, look, I, I think the eight-second segment actually does have some real problems because it speaks to the motivation of the filmmakers. And the motivation of the filmmakers was to make an anti-gun movie, uh, up to and including taking out words that were said by gun owners and making them look like they didn't have an answer to a question. But that's not the only problem with the film. You know, Katie Couric, I mean, you talk about the, the, the basic premise of this movie, Under the Gun. Katie Couric has talked about uh, how the film explores the epidemic of gun violence, how something must be done about the epidemic of gun violence, not once, nowhere in the movie, nowhere in the film. Will you find the fact that violent crime has been declining in this country. That when Katie Couric signed on as anchor of the Today Show in 1991, there were thousands more homicides in the United States than there were in 2014. Despite the fact that we have 75 million more Americans, there were fewer homicides in this country. And, violent, and fewer, by the way, uh, that, that does not just apply to homicides. Uh, uh, most of the index crimes, again, have gone down dramatically. Uh, since 1991 when Katie Kirk signed on as anchor. Now, to me, if you're exploring uh, gun violence in the United States, and this is supposed to be a documentary, this is supposed to be factually based, this is supposed to have you know all kinds of information and not just opinion, you need to include that fact because it's a pretty important fact because if you're talking about wanting to reduce gun violence and violent crime, including crime in which a gun was used, has been going down, has dropped dramatically. Well, then, if you want to reduce gun violence, shouldn't you be taking a look at what has actually worked over the past two and a half decades? And that's not what this film does. Uh, this film instead says uh, we simply have too much gun violence. It doesn't matter that violent crime has gone down. In fact, again, they won't even acknowledge it. Uh, but we simply, it starts with the premise of we have too much. It goes from there, with the attitude and with the mindset of, and what will bring those numbers down, of course, is more gun control. So, if you want to talk about the the larger premise of the film, I think it's still spoiled. Not that the uh, the documentary filmmakers would ever say such a thing. Of course, always good to stay on the good side of the uh, industry. You don't go after your own, but uh, there are still a lot of real problems for uh, Katie Kirk and her Under the Gun film. We were talking about that again. Uh, not, not so much on the farm this week, but uh, apparently I still needed to get that little bit out. I know I've been talking a lot about it on NRA News Cam and company, but apparently I had a little bit more to say. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. We do have much more on the way, however, so stick around. We'll be right back right after this.
0: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards, your host, your solo host this week. I uh, I, I did remember, actually, uh, during the quick little break here, uh, as I was on my way up to the Washington, D.C. area, and it takes a lot, by the way, for me to go to Washington, D.C. proper. Northern Virginia is one thing. But uh, actually, going into Washington D.C. that's a whole different animal. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the uh, program this week. But as I was uh, attempting to leave the forty acres to uh, to drive up to Washington D.C. on uh, Wednesday night, uh, there was I got out to the uh, the rental car that I'm in because the deer in the car and yeah, and uh, I, I I go to drive up the driveway and I look and there's a cow. On the wrong side of the driveway. So one side of the driveway uh, is fenced. There's a big pasture. It uh, leads into our uh, neighbor's property, and um, we've just always let our neighbors run as cattle in in that pasture. Um, and then on the other side of the driveway, there's an unfenced pasture that uh, is basically for for hay. And there's a cow standing there in the middle of the unfenced pasture where no cow is supposed to be. And on the pastured uh, or on the fenced uh, side of the uh, the driveway, there are, I don't know how many dozens of cows, uh, probably four or five dozen cows, that are just sort of looking at this lone cow that has tasted freedom somehow. Um, so, uh, okay, um run back to the house and uh, tell Missy, I say, hey, can you call the neighbor and let him know that uh, one of his cows is out because I got to get going. Uh, So I'm able to drive past the cow. The cow sort of wanders up the driveway sort of parallel with my car and then cuts over into uh, another open pasture and kind of vanishes off in between some trees. Um, So I I head on my merry way and I talked to Missy later and uh, our neighbor had come out and they had uh, tried to track him down. They they or her, and they could not track uh, her, the cow, uh, down. But we did find out that the uh, the cows there the, somewhere. The cow is getting through a fence, and uh, nowhere near our driveway. It, that's not the fence that the cow is is getting through, apparently, because there is now a little path, a little cow path, uh, from our. Uh, the very back part of our property we've got a, a creek running through there and then we've it goes uh, up the hill to our uh, to our house uh, and there's a little cow path now that's going up the hill and up the path to our uh, to our house and so we've got this uh, cowdini is what miss E is calling it we've got this wandering uh, cow that can escape from barbed wire fences apparently hangs around it's not like we've seen it wandering down the highway or anything like that uh, but it just... Apparently it's got that song, Don't Fence Me In, running through its head. So that was a uh, an interesting moment as I was heading up here, and I hopefully will not run into any cows tomorrow night as I'm uh, driving back home. That would be awful if I didn't kill my car with a deer, but hurt my car dearly with a deer, and then uh, perhaps damaged the, uh, the, the rental by hitting a cow in the dark. That would not be a good thing. And with Black Angus cattle, Kind of hard to see those uh, those cows in the dark, so it's always something uh, going on on the farm. And uh, in this case, it was the case of the wandering cow. Other than that, things have actually been fairly quiet. Chickens have been uh, 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 in their yard areas. We've not I've not seen or heard uh, any more coyotes or foxes. the uh, The chickens have not. Uh, release their freak out car alarm noise that uh, when I've been around anyway over the past few days. So uh, things have been quiet with the chickens. The goats are doing well. Uh, ADP Efferson on uh, Twitter had asked for uh, more baby goat videos because it's been a while since we've had videos of the baby goat. So uh, the problem is that the baby goat's not much of a baby goat anymore, and the the random like. Start from nothing and then bounce as high as I can in the air and then bounce and run through the yard. It still happens every now and then. The, the trouble is, it like when when you've got baby goats, like that's just how they move. That's all they do, right? So if they have to get from point A to point B, they will do so in the cutest manner possible, with as many backflips and side jumps and ollies. Uh, as they get older, they're not quite so spastic and they are a little bit calmer and they'll tend to walk from place to place so that's what uh that's what the the baby goat toffee uh, has been doing now a lot less jumping a lot less uh back kicks and and uh, uh little tricks there in the air and just a lot more normal adultish goat behavior of you know eating grass and things like that but i did uh, manage to post a picture of little toffee uh eating some grass in the yard tried to get her to do something cute didn't do it but the uh, the goats are doing well the uh, the, the girls uh, the two hogs that we have right now are uh, doing pretty well uh, I've been thinking you know we 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 name our hogs and uh, and I've gotten I don't want to say grief for this but I've, I've gotten some folks saying oh you know uh, growing your own food is fantastic just uh, just don't name your animals and uh, Too late for that. Yeah, because we started out with the first class of the bacon seeds back in uh, 2013. And we named all those critters. And the uh, Abigail was the last of the class, actually. She just went off to freezer camp a few months ago. So anyway, so we're down to two now. Um, Either Flopsy, Mopsy, or Cottontail. And then Smog is the other one. Uh, We can tell Smog because she's got like a... Kind of a strip of she's got like a mohawk basically that runs down her back, and because of the mud and the dirt, it looks like she has blonde tips uh, in her hair. That's not why we call her Smog. We call her Smog because my daughter named her Smog, but we can tell her apart from the other ones. Uh, Flopsy Mopsy and Cottontail all really looked alike, so Flopsy Mopsy or Cottontail and Smog are now left. I'm thinking about just renaming them Tasty and Delicious. One Tasty, one Delicious, and uh, and we'll just go from there because it's not like they know their names anyway right uh usually when we call them it's here pig i'm sitting again in a motel room or else i would do the really loud here pig but the uh the neighbors might hear through the very thin walls and probably already think i'm kind of weird talking to myself right now anyway so we won't do the pig call this evening but everybody's doing pretty well i even saw the other day uh some of the wild turkeys up in the uh, the pasture, same pasture by the way, where the uh, where the cow was. Uh, there were five. Now I've seen as many as ten uh, wild turkeys before spring turkey season started, uh, but I saw five of them uh, there in the pasture this weekend. So even some of the the wild critters are uh, are doing well. I'll also say this: the the rabbits are doing extraordinarily well around our house. We seem to be inundated with uh, rabbits and bees yeah we've got the carpenter bees that are uh, uh are currently attacking uh, and trying to turn my carport into condominiums and then uh, so we've got this old cabin used to be an outdoor kitchen uh, uh that's on the property and it's it it, it it was not in good shape when we uh, when we moved here but it has um i guess you know deteriorated four more years we have not done anything to the uh, the cabin since we've been here uh, and i i noticed over the weekend that there seemed to be a lot of bees going in and out of the old chimney there in the cabin so i'm really afraid that we now have a and those aren't carpenter bees they're a little bit smaller i'm not sure they're honeybees but uh, we seem to have a hive of bees now that have uh, taken up nest in the uh chimney of the cabin so i have no idea what to do with this here do i call the exterminator do i leave them uh i'm not i'm not even sure what to do but if you have any advice i would love to hear it again the email address is 40 acre fool 40 acre fool at gmail.com we're going to step away for just another moment or two we've got much more still to come so stick around we'll be right back here on 40 acres and a fool from the blaze radio network
0: 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning Blaze with Doc and
2: Skip. A female teacher has become impregnated by a male student. He was one of her 8th grade Students. We've been led to believe over the years men rape. Women are, are innocent little snowflakes and do nothing wrong. Here's what I hope we stop with the fallacy that men are evil and women are
0: wonderful. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Well, thanks for spending some time with us here on this week's edition of 40 Acres in a Fool. I don't know why I said us. It's just me, Cam, this week. Hello. Uh, Missy, again, on sick leave, sadly, uh, once more. Apparently, these spring allergies, not just allergies, may have uh, gone to bronchitis and uh, may have now passed on to pneumonia. So again, uh keep her in your thoughts and your prayers if you would please. I would certainly appreciate it. I know that uh, she would as well. I, I saw this story a couple days ago uh at uh whyugov.com. Uh, uh Peter Moore. Uh younger American men are noticeably less likely than older men to say that they are completely masculine. The uh, headline is the decline of the manly man. And uh given that uh I co-wrote a book that came out in October called uh, Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice with uh, Jim Garrity, which, by the way, makes a fantastic Father's Day present even uh, for those who are not yet fathers. Go ahead and uh, buy a copy. Really, no, trust me, they'll, they'll they'll enjoy it. Buy three, actually, in case they uh, want to leave one at work and then they you know lose one. I think three copies actually is the uh, way to go. So anyway, as, as the co-author of this book, uh, Heavy Lifting, Uh, which is sort of all about growing up. And I don't want to say becoming a a manly man, but, you know, getting it done uh, as a man, as a husband, as a father, and the joy of being a husband and a father. I thought this was a really interesting uh, little data point. Here, Uh, Peter Moore writes, research from YouGov shows that the muscular masculinity of decades past is a fading feature of American life for the young. Americans were asked to rate themselves on a scale of zero to six, with zero being completely masculine and six being completely feminine. I'm not sure why we went with six instead of four, five or ten, but we went with six. Uh, 65% of men over the age of 65 say that they are completely masculine, while only 28% of men aged 30 to 44 say the same. What's fascinating is that actually slightly more American males between the ages of 18 and 29 describe themselves as completely masculine, yet 30% of 18 to 29-year-olds say they were completely masculine only twenty eight percent of those aged thirty to forty four said they were completely masculine now youGov points out that the uh, the problem's even worse actually uh, in Great Britain they in the United kingdom. Uh, They say that uh, U.K. men and women are are less likely to describe themselves as completely masculine or feminine. The age gap is even more pronounced. Uh, Among British men, uh, 56% of those over the age of 65 describe themselves as completely masculine, only 9% lower than the United States. Uh, But among British men aged 18 to 24, however, just 2%, 2% say that they are completely masculine. Uh, now, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, completely feminine those, those those men who feel completely feminine, uh, or even those sort of in the middle, uh, among uh, the, talking again about Americans here, those over the age of sixty five, just four percent of the over sixty five group said that they are at all feminine. Meanwhile, eighteen to twenty nine year olds, uh, more than ten percent describe themselves as either a completely feminine or a mostly feminine, either a, a five or a six. Uh, or a four, or five, or six on the, uh, the the six point scale of masculinity and femininity. I'm 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 curious about a couple of things uh, with these poll results. First of all, have the concepts of uh, masculinity changed? Let's say for those over the age of sixty five and those who are. Let's uh, you know let, let, let's say you know if you're eighty to eighteen, has the uh, concept or ideal of masculinity uh, changed over the decades. Is masculinity seen uh, among younger Americans as uh, as as not a positive attribute? That this is not something that you want to be seen as completely masculine. You want to have that softer side. You want to have that feminine again i'm not sure that i would say softer equals feminine but but whatever this was the poll from yougov and this was the questions that uh, that they asked i i'm i'm curious uh to to what might explain this here i think there are probably a couple of answers you know it's interesting so i'm i'm up in the dc area uh as i'm recording this podcast i was at the independent women's forum uh women's lead conference and i was on a panel uh moderating a panel with julie gunlock and uh uh, several other uh, fantastic individuals who are doing a lot of work in the uh, regulatory, uh, pushing back against some of the the, the regulatory uh, nonsense that we see, and pushing back against uh, some of the uh, scaremongering uh, when it comes to the food that we eat. And one of the things, one of the questions that we uh, that we were asked um, was about the 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 mindset of this culture of alarmism. Uh, And to some degree, uh, how the the idea of the precious snowflakes uh, also plays into this culture of alarmism. And I brought up a point uh, actually from the book Heavy Lifting where I talked about my my dad, uh, who's a World War Two veteran, and that generation, his generation. And how really every generation since. Uh, the one that we call the greatest generation, every one of them has become a little bit softer. I mean, when you look at what that generation went through, my dad was born in 1926. Um, He doesn't remember the the crash of 1929, but he is old enough to remember viscerally uh, living through the last few years of the Great Depression. Uh, He was a teenager when World War II began. He dropped out of high school and enlisted in the Navy, uh, so he could fight in World War II. That generate and his, and by the way, his story is not unique. Uh, in fact, uh, there are many men out there who could tell, uh, uh, I, I'm sure, much more harrowing uh, stories of what way- they went through in adolescence, right? They come back from having saved the world. And... I think it's only natural they didn't want their kids to have to have the life that they had. And their kids didn't have the life that they had. The baby boomers didn't have to deal with a Great Depression. The baby boomers didn't have to fight World War II. Yes, the baby boomers had Vietnam. Yes, we still had a draft. Uh, No, it was not a total war footing in the United States like what we saw in World War II. Um, it's not, it, it's, it's more than what I ever went through because, um, I never was drafted. I never, uh, uh, lived during a military conflict in which we, uh, in which I was eligible, uh, for a, a draft that was ongoing. I registered for selective service, but I've never had to really worry about being drafted. Each generation that has come since the, uh, the greatest generation, uh, I say in, uh, heavy lifting has become, um, more snowflakeish. I'm I'm more of a snowflake than my father. Uh, I'm more of a snowflake than my grandfather, and the generation that came after me, I think, are uh, more snowflakeish than I am or my generation. So is that playing out when we see the answers to these questions about you know are you fully masculine are you fully feminine are you somewhere in between uh, are are we are we also seeing the snowflake effect? um at play here. Anyway, I'm 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 really curious about this. Are you seeing a decline in manly men? Are you seeing a decline in masculinity? And and if you are, how is that actually showing up? How is it manifesting itself? What aren't you seeing and what are you seeing in its place? Uh, Again, I'd love to hear your answers, love to hear your thoughts on this. The email address is 40acrefool40acrefool at gmail.com. When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, we're going to hear from you. We've got a couple of emails to get to, so stick around. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. walsh i think it's the wrong decision but i can respect a conservative who arrives at the conclusion very reluctantly very hesitantly with great regret and says i must support trump even though i despise everything he stands for because i really believe that hillary clinton is that much worse and so it's a lesser of two evils and so on and so forth i think that's the wrong mentality but i can still respect someone who has that mentality matt walsh available on demand anytime at the 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards with you, and thank you for being with me this week. So we're going to get to a couple of emails, but uh, I, I there was another story, actually, that I had sent myself that I wanted to talk about. This was from the Washington Post a few days ago, Jim Tankersley, in the uh, Wonk blog. Uh, The headline, A Very Bad Sign for All But America's Biggest Cities. He writes that Americans in small towns and rural communities are dramatically less likely to start new businesses than they have been in the past, an unprecedented trend that jeopardizes the economic future of vast swaths of the country. He says the recovery from the Great Recession has seen a nationwide slow up in the creation of new businesses. What growth has occurred has largely been confined to a handful of large and innovative areas, including Silicon Valley in California, New York City, and parts of Texas, according to a new analysis of Census Bureau data by the Economic Innovation Group, which is a research and advocacy organization uh, that Tankersley says was founded by Silicon Valley entrepreneur Sean Parker and a small group of investors. He also writes that economists say the concentration of startup activity is unusual. In the early 1990s recovery, 125 counties combined to generate half the total new business establishments in the country. That's out of, I think, over 6,000 counties. So even then, you're talking about a fairly small number of counties leading the way in terms of the, uh, the recovery. In this recovery, he writes, just 20 counties have generated half the growth. Tankersley says the data suggests that highly populated areas are not adding startups faster now than they did in the past. They appear simply to be treading water. But rural areas have seen their business formation fall off a cliff. Economists say economists say the divergence appears to reflect a combination of trends, Tankersley writes, all of which have harmed small businesses in rural America. Those include the rise of big box retailers such as Walmart, the loss of millions of manufacturing and construction jobs across the country, and a pullback in business lending that appears to have stung small town and rural borrowers particularly hard. You know, I, I I've, when I read this a few days ago, I went looking for uh, evidence of this in uh, Farmville, and you know, I'll be honest with you, Farmville may be bucking the trend. Uh, a little bit we we have not had any uh, new businesses that have opened that have provided large numbers of jobs uh no 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 new businesses like that have opened but we are seeing some small businesses open um, on main street in farmville unlike a lot of main streets in a lot of small towns around the country most of the storefronts are actually open they're not closed they're not vacant they're not dusty and we've had some new uh, businesses open up. We had a, um, a, a cigar shop and a hookah lounge actually open up a couple doors down from the uh, NRA News Studios on Main Street in Farmville, Virginia, uh, just a couple of months ago, a uh, veteran-owned business, by the way. We've had a couple of vapor stores open up in the uh, past year or so. I'm not sure how the FDA regulations are going to affect those. Actually, I think I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, the FDA regulations are not going to be good for these uh, independent uh, vapor shops. Uh, We've got a, 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 again, I think I've talked about this on the program before, this very cool uh, wine uh, bazaar almost that is uh, opening up. Um, uh, in Farmville in a couple of months, and you're going to be able to go and uh, sample, uh, I think, more than a dozen Virginia wineries. Uh, so so that's some new economic activity in Farmville. Um, at the same time, let's see, we've had a restaurant close uh, over the past, well, I guess longer than I, I remember now that I'm thinking about it. It's probably been about six months or so, but uh, we had one of the uh, the restaurants in Farmville, the Huddle House, Closed. I never had a chance to eat at the Huddle House. Actually, I had plenty of chances. I just never ate at the Huddle House, and maybe I'm responsible for its demise. But the uh, the Huddle House closed down. Uh, there may have been a couple of other. That's the only business actually that I can think of that is actually closed in Farmville. In the meantime, you've had uh, quite a bit of construction work. Uh, the old Southern States uh, a co-op building, which is this cool old mill building five stories tall uh, that's actually being turned into loft apartments and i've been told that there's going to be retail on the bottom i mean it's like it's like the farmville town center it's crazy it's, it's completely unlike what uh, uh, farmville was like just a few years ago we've had uh, a lot of healthcare actually move into farmville which is which is good because uh, I've also been seeing a lot of stories about the demise of rural health care and the crisis in rural health care. So in addition to uh, the hospital there in Farmville, we have a new cath lab that has opened up uh, and a, uh, I believe another uh, a big a clinic that has opened up in Farmville as well. So I'm not saying that uh, Prince Edward County, Virginia, is leading the way in economic innovation, but uh, uh, thankfully, in Farmville at least, we seem to be – holding our own. No manufacturing jobs, not a uh, not a lot of, of, of new unskilled uh, labor openings, but uh, at least we've had some new opportunities for employment uh, in Farmville. All right, so I want to get to a, a couple of your emails that have uh, come in over the past few days. Uh, we'll start with an update from Trent. Last uh, we uh, talked, we told you about Trent and his appendix, uh, his former appendix, I should say, And uh, Trent writes in, says, first, thank you for the well wishes on the last podcast. Uh, Without getting too deep in the weeds, my appendix was about to burst and as such was nasty, according to the surgeon. So I had a little infection to deal with before I could go home. I was in the hospital until Wednesday after my admittance on Sunday night. Trent says, I don't think anybody feels as fast as they would like, but I'm able to get around to this point with limited pain. And aside from heavy lifting, shameless, passive book plug for Cam, all is normal, writes Trent. And he says the garden got planted the Monday of NRA Annual Meeting Week, so before the appendix issue. Uh, The beans, the kale, the carrots, the lettuce, the cabbage all look good. Trent says I've had to replant the melons and the squash. The uh, beans look as good as they have to date. And he says I had to wait almost two weeks later than I wanted because we had back-to-back frosts on the 15th and 16th of May, which happened to be when my sweet potatoes arrived. So they had to sit until after the meetings, along with my potato and pepper plants, which family planted for me while I was in the hospital. These sweet potatoes were sent as bare roots, and if half make it, I'll be surprised, says Trent. I had them in a warm window uh, with, and uh, mulch the roots, but they had uh, to wait for the weather to break. I think he said I had them in a warm window uh, with mulch for the roots, but they had to wait for the weather to break, so who knows, he says. The strawberries are starting to turn quickly. Trent says this is the third year for the patch, and it's loaded with berries. We'll be moving them to a raised bed next year. But in the meantime, bring on the shortcake. Yeah, you know, we haven't done strawberries. And unfortunately, our blueberries took a hit. We had that late freeze. We have one bush uh, that has berries on it. And the rest, uh, lots of green, but uh, they were they never flowered. Actually, they were flowering when we had the freeze, and that basically killed off uh, any of the uh, potential blueberries out there. So we're not going to have a a very berry-tastic summer, Trent. I'm glad that you are uh, when it comes to the uh, strawberries. Now, when it comes to uh, the chickens, Trent says the pullets and the cockerel are fully integrated now with our three older hens. The boss hen ended up in chicken jail, the old coop, for a day and a half to adjust her attitude, but... Other than that, it's just been normal pecking order nonsense. The bigger issue is actually getting the older girls to lay in the new rollout nest boxes. But after a few days of lifting them into the boxes, they figured it out. Of course, the usual trick of putting decoy eggs in the boxes didn't work because they would roll out. Well, there there you go. But I'm glad they got the hang of it, at least, Trent. Uh, And Trent says, lastly, before the annual meeting for the National Rifle Association, I got our arbor and our trellis built for the addition of blackberries, raspberries, and grapes. Just another adventure, Trent says. Thanks again for the well wishes. He says, the Fireside episode was a pleasure. It is finally time for some of that here as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing another uh, Fireside episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. I like it a lot better than the uh, cheap motel room version of 40 Acres and a Fool, to be honest with you. Brian also wrote in as well, says, uh, uh, talking about last week's episode, between it's just a made-up word like haagen and almond nipples are really tiny, Brian says, I'm afraid my dashboard may never be clean again. You got to watch out for those almond nipples. They are hard to find. On a more sanitary note, says Brian, who was it that we heard giggling in the background of the most recent episode? Was that daughter number one or daughter number five? That was daughter number five. Daughter number one uh, is back home and hopefully we'll get to see her again at uh, at Christmas time. But uh, yeah, that was daughter number five who likes being an audience for 40 Acres and a Fool and I think it's kind of cool that uh, that she likes that. You know, she's she's at the age now. She's eleven. She's just getting to the, the age where parents become stupid, right? And and parents are all of a sudden creatures to be avoided. So it's nice that when the uh, the microphone comes out and it's time for us to start recording the podcast, that uh, daughter number five wants to sit down and and wants to listen. And hear what we're talking about. I think that's really cool. She says, uh, I'm sorry, Brian says, uh, at any rate, I'm glad to hear that you're keeping the podcast going. I realize it's a fairly thankless task, and I'm sure the advertisements don't pay you enough for your time. But it's far and away my favorite podcast, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, Brian, thank you very much for the kind words. Um, n- yeah, let's. we won't talk about the, the money, because that's not why I do that. Because I'd have to actually make some money if that was the reason why, and I don't, uh, with a podcast. But, you know, it, it really, for me, I don't want it to be uh, an obligation because I don't get paid for this, because I didn't want to do this to help me get on Fox News. I didn't want to do this to, to get a book deal. I, I, I wanted to do this because... I know that I'm not the only one, and we're not the only family that 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 wants to raise some of their own food, that wants to have animals, that wants to have a space of their own. And I wanted to to share that experience that we're going through, and to hear from others, and have that conversation. That that that's that's why I do this each and every week. Um, and I want to I want that to continue to be the reason. So I don't ever want to feel like okay it's wednesday night or okay it's thursday i really got to do a podcast i i want it to be something that i like forward that i look forward to and i think for a little bit it did start to feel like an obligation just because of my schedule and how busy things were and you know when i wasn't working within a news camera company i wanted to be at home and i wanted to be doing stuff outside and i wanted to spend time with my family um but I I think I've got it squared away now, Brian, where it's, this is, this is not an obligation. Uh, it, it, doesn't feel like that. And it hasn't for the last couple of weeks. Uh, instead, you know, again, getting a chance to, to, to meet people in Louisville who, uh, I've never heard from via email who, um, I've never had any contact with before. And they say, you know, we're listening every week and, and we love the podcast and thank you for what you do. I'm hoping that I can actually prompt them to write in too. But we'll see. One thing, again, I do know is that I I really would like this to be a conversation. Some weeks it may be a conversation uh, more with Miss E. Some weeks it may be a conversation uh, that uh, revolves more around you. But uh, either way, when we uh, get together, whether it's at the kitchen table or uh, beside the fire or (laughs) when we get together in a cheap motel room in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., as weird as that sounds, I want it to be a conversation and I want to have that sense of community because it's very important to me so thank you for being a part of this week's edition of 40 Acres and a Fool again if you would please keep me seeing your thoughts and your prayers and hopefully you'll be feeling better very soon and we'll be talking again next week with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network
0: this is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network